Welcome to Parramatta Baptist Church Online. My name is Steve Bates and I'm really glad that I'm able to bring this message to you on Good Friday. It's not quite the same as actually being there personally and physically with you, but I trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by all that you see and all that you hear over this Easter weekend. If you didn't get an opportunity to, to see and experience last night's, uh, I encourage you to, to go back onto our website um, and look at it. The passage that I want to speak from today is from Matthew chapter 26, verses 47 to 50, and then 57 to 75. And Charity is going to read those verses to us now. While Jesus was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd, armed with swords and clubs, sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, Do what you came for, friend. Then the man stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. Those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the teachers of the law and the elders had assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance, right up to the courtyard of the high priest. He entered and sat down with the guards to see the outcome. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. But they did not find any, though many false witnesses came forward. Finally, two came forward and declared, This fellow said, I'm able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. You have said so, Jesus replied. But I say to all of you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, He has spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? Look, now you have had the blasphemy. What do you think? He is worthy of death, they answered. Then they spat in his face and struck him with their fists. Others slapped him and said, Prophesy to us, Messiah, who hit you? Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another seven girls saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you're one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses and swore at them, I don't know the man. Immediately a cock crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the cock crows, you would disown me three times. You went outside and wept bitterly. Kathy and I always resisted, had no interest really in pay TV when it came out. And we've never got into the online streaming of movies either. No real reason, it's just we never saw the point of it and COVID-19 hasn't changed our minds either. 
part of it for me is I actually love the whole cinema experience. Always have, from a kid through to now. I love going to the cinema. I love the big screen and all that goes with it. I think I got that from my dad. When I think back to the movies that I watched as a teenager and into my 20s, they were very predictable in their theme and the way in which the story would play out. I think most of what I watched was around like Indiana Jones. So you've got the, the male hero, always a man, uh, somewhat flawed but likeable, good at heart. And then you've got his love interest. They fight all the way through the movie and then at the end of the movie they fall in love and they go off together. <sighs> so you've got the hero, you've got the love interest, You've got the villain, you've got to have a villain. Uh, the villain, you would always hope, ends up dead. And then you have a whole range of characters that I call the expendables. So if there's a stray bullet, it's always going to hit one of the expendables, one of the extras in the movie for whom the story doesn't really turn on whether they're alive or dead. And so the plot was very, very predictable. Uh, the hero and, uh, and his love interest, they ride off into the sunset together. The villain is lying somewhere dead and goodness knows how many extras have been killed. But the point that it always left for me is that death comes to those who deserve it. This was kind of like the moral of the movies that I used to watch, that the hero would never die, the love interest would never die, but the villains and the extras, they're the ones, in a sense, who deserve death. But we're reminded today that in the life of Jesus Christ, death was not dished out fairly. It was not the villain, nor was it the extras, the expendables, who were nailed to the cross. But it was the hero himself, the central character, not only of this story, but of all of history, is the one who dies. Now, when we read through the Gospels, there is no reason at all for why Jesus Christ should be put to death. Why would you put to death, put to death a man of peace? Why would you put to death a man who spoke words of hope and forgiveness? A man who healed the sick, brought sight to the blind and raised the dead. A man who treated women and children and the marginalised in society with dignity and respect. Why would you put to death someone who cheated no one, who betrayed no one, who lied to no one, someone who lived with complete integrity? Now when we look at the other characters in the story from the Gospel of Matthew, Let's look at Judas, for example. Well, in my story, Judas deserved death. Judas was greedy, but worst of all, he, he betrayed Jesus. To betray a friend's trust is bad enough. To betray your spouse is worse. But to actually betray someone to death, that is unforgivable. And so in the story, we know that Judas deserves to die. What about Caiaphas, the high priest? Well, in my story, he would deserve death also. Together with the scribes and the elders, Caiaphas sentences an innocent man to death. Caiaphas acted out of fear, fear that this man Jesus was jeopardising the comfortable experience that he and the other religious leaders had in what they had created. There was not only fear, but there was also jealousy. Jealousy that people were drawn to this man Jesus. Uh, they believed that he was the Messiah, they were attracted to who he was. But there was also anger in Caiaphas. And anger, how dare this man Jesus question them? How dare this man Jesus disrupt commerce in the temple? How dare Jesus claim, worst of all, to be the son of God? Yeah, see, in my story, Caiaphas would have deserved the stray bullet. And then we come to Pilate. 
Now, Pilate bore no ill will towards Jesus, but that doesn't make him innocent. The fact that he couldn't find any reason why Jesus should die doesn't make him an innocent man because he allows himself to be pushed around, manipulated by the Jewish leaders, such that in the end, Jesus' death is carried out. You see, Pilate acts in self-interest, preferring to see an innocent man die than see his own position being disrupted. Pilate is weak, he's self-interested, and he's indifferent to justice. Justice for him comes second to politics. So in the movie, Pilate would die as well. The final player in these last hours of Jesus is Peter. What do we do with him? We feel pity for Peter. He's so full of bravado, he's so confident in himself and he so wants to do the right thing. He wants to be with and stand by Jesus until the very end. But when it mattered, he couldn't. He ran away, he didn't stay by Jesus' side and and even then when he follows Jesus to see what's going to happen to him and he's confronted with the question, you were with him, you were with him, weren't you? He denies it three times vehemently denies it. Now, I would be hesitant and I hope that you would be hesitant to see Peter killed off in the script of the story. But if we had to choose between him and Jesus, then the choice is obvious. Jesus is the one who acted with courage. He was the one who stood tall. You see, in Matthew's account of the events leading up to the death of Jesus Christ, we see all of these human vices, the very worst of us at work. There's betrayal, there's greed, there's lying, there's jealousy, there's anger and fear, there's self-interest, apathy and injustice. And yet they kill the one who always acted unselfishly. They kill the one who always spoke out against injustice and they kill the one who always spoke truth. Why? The reason why is because that is the script that God wrote for this story. This is the script that God wrote for history. And Jesus knew the way that the story would go. He doesn't come into this unknowing. He knew the way the story would go. He knew that his perfect life, a life that was lived in complete obedience to his Father, to the will of God, was a journey towards his crucifixion on the cross. It was the only way. Now, at Christmas, we celebrate that God came and lived among us. But on this day, on Good Friday, we remember and we give thanks that God chose to die on our behalf. You see, in order to pay the price for every act of disobedience that we and every other person had accumulated against God, a person, one of us, had to die. But the problem is that all of us have disobeyed God and so our death would have been because we deserved it. You see, in the movie, we are the villains. In the movie, we are the extras. We are the expendables. Our death would achieve nothing for anyone else. So only the death of the hero, the central character in this story, only the death of Jesus Christ, the one who had done no wrong, whom God had nothing against, could pay the price. There's this wonderful truth that comes through the Good Friday story and that is this, that our sin, humanity's betrayal and greed and lying and jealousy, our anger and our fear, our self-interest, our apathy and our injustice, 
All of these things set the scene for the death of Jesus Christ. But it was the death of Jesus Christ that brings about the possibility of forgiveness for each one of those things. Christ's death on the cross changes everything for us. No longer are we condemned by our past. No longer are we condemned by our failures. No longer are we condemned for our disobedience. For in Jesus Christ, we find forgiveness. In Jesus Christ, we find a relationship that cannot be broken with our Father. Just before he died, in John chapter 14, Jesus says to his disciples that he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And when Jesus said that he was the way, he is the way, he spoke about his death being the way in which we would find forgiveness from God. When he spoke about him being the truth, he spoke himself as having the ultimate reality. His words were true. His life was one that was filled with truth. And when Jesus said that he was the life, he speaks of a life that comes both now and for all eternity, a life that comes from being in relationship with God. You see, this is Good Friday. We call it Good Friday because it reveals to us the goodness of God. That even seemingly in the darkest of times, God is working out his purposes for us and for all of creation. That even in seemingly the most tragic of deaths, the death of Jesus Christ, God's love is seen. The Apostle John in writing uh, his letter, puts it this way. He says, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And one of my go-to verses in the scriptures, uh, which I think captures the meaning of Good Friday so beautifully, is what Paul writes in his second letter to the Corinthians. He says, God made him... Jesus Christ, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Good Friday is the story of God's goodness toward us. It's the story of God's self-giving love for us. It's the story of him drawing us into his family, giving us a new identity calling us righteous and calling us his sons and his daughters. And Christ's death, as we remember it on this day, calls for just a number of responses from us. The first response that it calls from us is simply one of trust. In John 14 that I read earlier, Jesus begins that chapter by saying, trust, trust in God, trust in me also. And the story of of Good Friday calls us to trust in Jesus Christ, to trust him as the Son of God who came to die on my behalf, on your behalf, on all of our behalves, to trust that in him we find forgiveness, we find belonging, and we find a new identity as as sons and daughters of the King. A second response that today calls for is one of gratitude. To be thankful for all that God has done in showing us his love in Jesus Christ. That he would be prepared to come and not only live among us, but to die in our place. And I just encourage each one of us to do something on this day to actually express our worship, to express our gratitude, our thankfulness towards God for this. Perhaps it is that you take 
the bread and break it and remember what Christ has done, to take the cup and drink of it and remember the new covenant that we're brought into. Maybe it is just to sing together, um, to find some songs that actually capture something of the love of God expressed on this day. But find a way to express your gratitude and thanks for what God has done, for his goodness. And finally, I just want to encourage us and, and that this day calls us not only to trust in Christ, not only to have a sense of gratitude and thankfulness for all that he's done, but there's a response of obedience, a sense of which we're called now to give our lives to him, to follow him. Jesus said that the greatest thing that we can do is to love God. And that means that we need to make him the most important character in the story, not ourselves. Jesus said the next greatest thing to do is to love one another, to love others. And Christ's death on the cross, this most, the single most unselfish action in all of history, he calls us to follow him in that. We live in a world where self-interest continues to rule but Christ calls us to live a different story. He calls us to follow in his footsteps, learning to live and to love like him. Bless you this Easter. I pray that you would know and remember the goodness of God towards you. Blessings.